Hello and welcome to the Football Guard podcast. Um, we're finally here. We're in Russia. Confederations Cup, match day two. Literally just moments ahead of kickoff uh, Russia against Portugal from the Old Kriti Arena. And we are right in front of the Old Kriti Arena. Uh, with me as always is Andrew Flynn. Actually, you're actually with me. You're sitting right next to me on a bench outside the stadium. There's police horses next to us too, so I guess they're our special guests. But Andrew, how are you doing? I'm uh, not doing too bad, Manu, and it's, it's great to finally be here on site. Um, I mean, we're well, what, a couple of hours before the game, even, and there's been plenty of fans milling around. It's good to see that you know security is good. There's plenty of interest in the game, um, and wow, what a spectacular arena! I mean, this is my first sight personally of the Akriti Arena, and it is absolutely magnificent. So, I mean, today is a massive game, um, Russia against Portugal. Um, and it couldn't happen in a, in a better arena So yeah, over the moon Yeah, I think you're right uh, this, I, this is personally my favourite arena uh, in Russia Because the way it's set up It's very similar to the Allianz Arena in München mm-hmm. uh, if, you, if you like to have a comparison It, it looks similar on the outside It's very steep uh, very good to see um, mm. the the one difference is of course that the 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 one side because it, it doesn't need to have the same capacity in the Allianz Arena it's forty five thousand mm. so one side is VIP sitting there's actually a hotel built into the stadium as well so it's a beautiful facility it has a huge screen outside where people can watch the game and uh, the scoreline and then there's a huge statue of the Spartacus of course the symbol of Spartak. And it's a, a magnificent area. As a journalist, it's even better to work because you actually the press boxes are right behind the chain, the the the, the benches, right? So I'm sitting yeah. right behind the benches. And when I was here for the Chile Cameroon game, you can actually hear the substitutions being called before they're made. So you can type while you're typing and reporting from the match. You get actually a really quick idea. You can tell already who's going to be substituted for whom. You can see the activities on the bench. You can hear the activities on the bench, and you get a really good inside scoop. And you have a very big, nice working space, and the view is magnificent because you're so close to the pitch. So this is actually my favorite stadium to work in, um, in a way, because it's it's such a great facility and so well set up. And um, I'm looking forward to this game, really, really much, because if I saw Cameron Chile here, and it was a fantastic game, a really good game. Saw Alexei Sanchez, Artur Vidal, was personally one of my favorite players. He actually stormed through the press box too because he was upset <laughs> about VAR. And we'll have to touch on VAR, I we guess. We will. We will. And um, I'm really excited for this game because Portugal Russia is probably one of the three best games in this match group stage um, oh, that absolutely. we can see. Right? I think yeah. the other one was the Cameroon Chile, and then the third one will be Chile Germany. This one will be just as big of a game, and I think I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I'm predicting a few goals. I'm not predicting a positive result for Russia <laughs> as you are, but we'll, we'll touch on this in the next segment of the pod. But what do you think? Um, how will Russia go on in this game and how will this atmosphere sort of, you know, affect them? Well, I think what you mentioned about the the nature of the stadium inside, I think that's going to play a part. I love, love steep graded stands. Um, I was in the Fish Stadium in Sochi and that also has just the most brilliant views. So I reckon for this game, it's uh, I, I looked on the, the ticket website and it was virtually sold out there. Whether all the fans will actually turn up, I hope they will. So a full stadium is going to make the atmosphere excellent and everybody will recognise, obviously, this is the key game. Well, this is the, the 
glamour game, not just the most important, but you know, you can't rule out the fact that Cristiano Ronaldo and Bernardo Silva and some and Nani Ricardo Quaresma, I mean the names on show, that's gonna make it a really you know, it's an X-factor game. And I think that's what Russian football has missed for quite a long time. You know, you've got to bear in mind that on Russian soil, internationally anyway, um, that for the last 12 months alone, we've only had friendlies. And before that, there have been disappointing results. This is a chance without so much pressure, but with hopefully a very good atmosphere and something riding on it too. So in terms of how I think Russia will approach it, it's actually very hard to predict. And I'm not sitting on the fence there. That is just simply Stanislav Cherchesov is mm. very well known for chopping and changing he's even publicly admitted he's yeah. going to make some changes what I would like to see happen is for him not to be too defensive and play Russia's game not try and negate Portugal's game um, I think the concern is that there are so many attacking options that he might try and be too defensive but you know we talked about this before the pod Manu that if there are not, it's not enough support for Fyodor Smolov up front um, then that's a big worry because then Smolov is effectively out of the game and it's playing catch up the whole time Russia have to win this and I think the best way of doing that is having a good target man um, alongside him Bukharov perhaps um, Dmitry Polos is, is an excellent counter-attacker but I think he will be better coming off in the second half so I hope he will be attacking whether he will that's what we'll have to wait and see I'm afraid my indication is yes uh, because that's what he said on the press conference a lot of questions about Cristiano Ronaldo I think this, uh, there's a lot of questions about Cristiano Ronaldo period <laughs> and we'll get into that in a moment because we actually spoke to Santos about Cristiano Ronaldo yesterday too um, don't want to give away too much but he didn't say anything <laughs> but Chesov had something to say about Cristiano Ronaldo and he said well respect our opposition but we do not fear them and Smolov said well look listen he's a great player but we'll play our own game and we know that we know that we have the talent to, to play well and score goals and we, we can't be afraid of Portugal we can't yeah. let them force us to play their game and I think that's really something that will actually kind of play in the hands um, you know that my prediction is that Russia will lose this game <laughs> but I could very well be wrong because Portugal didn't convince me against Mexico now Mexico is a very good side uh, we don't want to belittle them yeah. one bit it's a very good team I actually think Mexico is a better team than Russia for the reason that they've just been together playing in the setup for a very long time and you yeah. know you've done recently a piece about Mexico it's very much up and coming country right the thing yeah. is um Portugal didn't convince me and they haven't I, can't, I sound like a broken record but they haven't convinced me even in the Euros a very boring drab side and they I feel like they got lucky because of the setup of the Euros yeah. and they, they can't afford a group stage like they had in the Euros here because if they play the same way they're going to be out out of because you know only the first two teams advance there's no third place advancements in this this tournament so they will have to actually go for a winner here which could actually open it up for Russia a little bit yeah absolutely man I, I think you make a good point there because everybody and quite understandably has assumed that Portugal will just if not walk the group will definitely end up first but there's every there's every risk that if they if they lose this game then 
they they really might well be going home early. Um, I mean, a win a win for Russia today. Okay, that would put them on six points. Portugal would still be on one point. Mexico almost certainly will beat New Zealand, and will be on four points. And if they score, if Mexico score heavily against New Zealand today, then there really is a serious amount of pressure on on Portugal. Um, so. That's my hope. I think that's every neutral's hope as well because, um, you know, we've seen one or two games in the tournament so far have been slightly disappointing attendances, not a great deal of coverage worldwide for them. But this game, you know, we, we said at the top of the show that this is this is the glamour game, really, especially for the hosts. Um, and I think... Um, I think it's there's so many possibilities here for for Russia. I really am. I'm not saying I'm confident they're going to win. I've predicted a draw. I actually think a draw is damaging for Russia because it really puts all the pressure on that last game against Mexico. But you know, it's um, it's there to play for. So yeah, I think um, I think that Portugal's attitude coming into the tournament was relatively conservative, going for a very experienced. Um, uh, squad in general you know Nani, Quaresma, Ronaldo they've been playing for the Portuguese national team for over a decade now Pepe mm. we could add into that as well um, Jose Font is what 33 years old um, they do have some great young players I mean Bernardo Silva Adrian Silva um, mm-hmm. you know they've got some great young players but they they could have easily gone for a more experimental youth youthful setup but what that tells me is that but Fernando Santos is a cautious manager. Yeah, he definitely and, is. You know, we've seen that when he was in charge of Greece and, and of course, in the Euros last summer. So, oh man, it's just you, you could you could make any prediction and you couldn't be unjustified. Santos is a conservative manager, so he'll play safe here. Or, you know, he wants to attack them to go for the win. I, I, it's so hard to call. And in the end, that's why I went for a draw. I just couldn't hate my mind. Well, I mean, you you know, you might not be wrong. Um, the statistics, such statistics are very dangerous in my opinion, but yeah. Portugal have never won here in Moscow. Yep. Never, ever, ever. Even in the time of the Soviet Union, they played here once in 1983, they lost. So they've never won here. Um, such statistics, in my opinion, are always dangerous because they tend to end. <laughs> so, <laughs> records are there. To be records broken. are there to be broken. The longer they last, the higher <laughs> the chance of them to go. But. You make a good point. I mean, our predictions are very close. I'm saying 2-1, you're saying 1-1. That's uh, one goal difference. I just think that if it's 1-1 and um, the score is tight, then Cristiano Ronaldo will do what he always does, which is very annoying, but he will score a goal today. He hasn't scored in the first game, and he will score in this one. But um, let's chat a little bit about everything else that's going on here before you know. I make my way here through... uh, this heavily secured checkpoint guard post <laughs> media entrance which is like I always love it I always joke it's like the green zone in Baghdad it's not far <laughs> from the truth man it's it's heavily guarded but um, aside from that it does feel like a little bit of a military complex but not too many tickets sold yet at the same time it does feel like a friendly atmosphere in the tournament we went out yeah. for breakfast this morning we were amazed by smiling servants <laughs> everyone with service everyone who knows this country a little bit knows that smiling people in restaurants only happen when you had a few vodkas um, <laughs> that is very true so I've, I've been very positively surprised about the changes yeah. we noticed the English language in the metro yeah. we noticed signs pointing us to the stadium friendly people and volunteers coming towards us trying to help us pointing us into the right direction yeah. um, lots of smiling Russian people so that's already a stereotype breaker right there <laughs> I mean for us we're laughing but I, you live here I've been traveling here since the early 2000s so you know it, 
for us that's we've seen the change slowly happening and I feel like this tournament has gone a long way and I think the World Cup will do that even more so the atmosphere despite some empty seats or mm-hmm. lots of empty seats and that's due to the high ticket prices here you mean you were saying yeah, like how you looked at tickets for this game it was hundred dollars Right. Yeah, and I that, mean, no one here can afford that. Well, I mean, the, the pricing—that's that's one negative for me. Um, I, I think it was a bit silly to go so high. Really, what you want for this tournament—it's not a money-making exercise. You want to fill the stadiums. You want to give the positive impression to the world. And you mentioned the social changes that people are making, and it is very noticeable. And that is a major, major plus. It might seem like a small thing to generally encourage shop assistants to smile and be polite and give clear signposting when you're going around a place, but it really is something that has had to change but the fact is they have they have been aware of that and I've said all along that I was convinced that it was a good positive decision for Russia to have the World Cup because it will seriously encourage the country on every single level to realize look this is a chance to show the world what our country is like that's what a World Cup does you know it's it's a chance to improve things in a positive way um, and so far I've been impressed with the overall level of commitment to you know on a social level there are of course there are financial problems with the funding of stadiums and where the money has disappeared to um, you know but yeah in terms of this this tournament itself very much yeah very much a friendly atmosphere in every sense of the word um, which you can't really expect much more it, it, it is a friendly tournament I mean it is a tournament but it's not competitive on any level let's be honest um, so yeah I mean the, the, I'm a big believer in the Confederations Cup as a concept I was talking to you earlier Manu about this um, you know there's strong possibilities that the Confederations Cup won't continue in this format or may even be scrapped altogether mm. after this year I actually think that would be a mistake I know that a lot of you know the top clubs the players who play for them they get tired of having to have all these summer tournaments but I don't know maybe maybe this is one part of me that's slightly old fashioned Manny but we're talking about four games here um, five well, oh sorry five games you get yeah. to the final five games right um, and you know you've had a few weeks break before this after the domestic season yeah. finishes now I do realise that you can't just simply play 60 games without any break but they have had a, a, a few weeks to break it's not serious so they're not going to be pushing themselves 100% to the limit does it really matter that much you're playing for your country mm. it's a chance to win a trophy and I actually think Cristiano Ronaldo is one of the few players in this tournament who will take it seriously because he's addicted to silverware and that's this is one of the occasions where I think well good for you you know you want to you want to take that opportunity for you know a bit of personal glory so I think I think Confederation Cup needs to stay it's a really it's a good tournament test out the venues like we're seeing yeah. right now right yeah well testing out is actually before I you know move on and set up for whatever I have to do inside the stadium testing big subject VAR (laughs) and the confusion about it Um, yeah we had a couple issues at the last game I was doing the live blog for the Chile Cameroon game and uh, having to type in goal or not goal (laughs) and our hearts like gonna beat quickly it's difficult when no one knows if it is a goal or not and the referee doesn't know and then you get conflicting images now I was in the press box and we were not shown all the replays that were available to the referees mm-hmm. in the van I guess somewhere out here where we're standing and um, that's a major problem in my opinion because we as the press are supposed to tell the world what's happening right 
it's confusing enough as it is but if we are confused on top of everyone else who's confused how are we supposed to communicate it and I think that's something it was a big discussion point the Chile players were very upset uh, I have a video up on onefootball.com where they're just stormed through the mix zone they're no, on, nothing you have no, no comments <laughs> Arturo Vidal is like hey, okay, okay. Oh, no, and off he was through no comments didn't we're not happy Vidal was furious at halftime. This is this was a wonderful thing about my press box seat. I was right above the tunnel <laughs> and I could hear him smash the door and like yell in Spanish and uh, there's a few Spanish words that I will not repeat here because well, I'll have to censor it heavily. They were confused and you know this yeah. is the thing like what are we going to do? We have to find a way to present it better. My my opinion is do it like the NFL. Have the referee just tell us and then show to the press. We have TV screens show the press what happened and show us all the pictures well I, I think the communication of what is going on is the absolute key point of this and that uh, I think is the real real shame this was an opportunity to test out the system and don't forget like we mentioned this is testing the system in itself so of course there are going to be mistakes there are going to be teething problems at the beginning but a lot of the doubts over that could have been avoided if firstly simply they had broadcasted much more clearly to everybody to the press first of all to the players and the coaches because I don't think from the, the pictures we saw and from the experience you had in the stadium Manny, I don't think the players and coaches had 100% confidence or even knowledge of exactly how the process was supposed to work and then the fans themselves it is a spectator sport it, you, you've got millions of people all over the world um, I mean I've uh, a, a friend a friend of mine on Twitter Adam Brandon he lives in Chile and he, he with his family there and he made a comment that you know for the second goal that went in they felt like they couldn't celebrate for a minute until it had been confirmed on the video replay um, that's a major major problem because you can't deny how involved the fans are in the game now the concept of it of ruling out those terribly misleading mistakes is right that is correct I, don't, I mean that's my opinion yeah. but I strongly believe that how it is delivered that is what could be improved so firstly I agree with the communication yeah. with the referee you know for example I mentioned earlier you said NFL they do it very clearly where they actually speak to the crowd yeah. and everybody can hear it, it takes which, 10 seconds it, it doesn't take long whilst the, whilst the player is getting up fading injury or yeah. with a real injury that 5-10 seconds can simply be a hand signal that designates exactly why it was given so whether it is for um, for active play whether it's for offside whether it's a decision in the box where it's somebody's handballed it or some, anything yeah. it, you know he could signal the part of the body he believes is offside or that the VAR official has said is offside that communication is critical and that needs to be improved I would also add to that very briefly that the time taken has to be strictly regula regulated in my view we saw the process take about a minute because the referee wasn't sure the video replay assistant wasn't sure there has to be a time limit because it does get a bit ridiculous and we open ourselves up to a slippery slope where official breaks will be brought in for advertising and it becomes a minute two minutes that's a slippery slope we mustn't go down yeah. so strict time limits better communication and this system could work but there are changes to be made certainly yeah I agree and I'm curious to see how it is at this game now I am have to go through this massive security checkup now and uh, you are going to catch the mood and the atmosphere around the stadium during this game right yeah. and then we'll meet up after this game to, to uh, give our assessment and finish this part and 
really talk about everything that else has been going on in Russia. But yeah, I'm curious. I'm really, really looking forward to this match. Oh, absolutely. I can't wait. So yeah, we're back. Um, hate to say this, Andrew, but I was right. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, I admit it, Manny, you got that one right, that's true. So the game ended 1-0 uh, for Russia, eh, Portugal, sorry about that. And a um, bit of a bizarre one, really, I mean, from the press box, Stanislav Chichesov, in my opinion, and uh, I am sure Andrew will give his 50 cents about this in a second, he got it wrong. Um, the 5-5, five, five, what was it, 5-4-1 formation, very defensive, Smolov up front, supported by two attacking wingers at time. Um, left him, Smolov, very isolated, and I thought that was a big mistake. Um, simply because they needed, they needed something more to push through Portugal's defense, and they didn't have that, so they, they lacked an outlet, didn't they? And Dimitri Polos really was absent, in my opinion. And, that's something that they're going to have to revisit. Yeah, I, Manu, I, I completely agree with you. And the, as soon as the team lineup came out, my heart dropped because I, before the game, we were talking, right? We were saying that I, I said I wasn't sure what his approach would be. Would he be bold? Would he not? And he clearly wasn't. I wasn't. In, I wasn't even sure what he was going to line up. As was it three, six, one, or or four, five, one? I, I just thought, for Christ's sake, man, come on! You know, this is your opportunity to not go all out, all guns blazing, there's no need to go absolutely crazy, but stick with the formula that I actually still think worked pretty well against New Zealand. It wasn't incredible scoreline, but like you say, Pollos comes on. Pollos is an absolute perfect counter-attacking forward. He's exactly the sort of forward we needed in this game. Um, and like I say, he came on, he made the difference. And the first half, okay, I think it was a case of nerves. Nerves from Chichesov in the team selection and nerves from the players in there. Just, they, there was a lot of good pressing off the ball. I was impressed with how many times they won the one possession back high up the pitch. That was really good intent, but just not quite enough outlet to, to deliver anything of any note. You know, so second half, I, there was a period... I'd say the first 15, 20 minutes when I genuinely thought Russia were going to come back into it but too little, too late um, and yeah, at bottom line he did get it wrong, I agree Yeah um, We've been watching the first half of the Mexico game basically on our way back from the stadium um, got held up a little bit go into this in a little detail in a second but Cristiano made me wait I really wanted that tax advice and he didn't want to give it to me and then he did finally show up after 85 minutes of waiting um, he stormed through he did an autograph to a journalist though so I guess that's good but um, yeah uh, had some time to think about this game and also on what Stanislav Chichesov had to say in the press conference and He's angry, really angry. But he's given a lifeline, maybe, because we looked at the halftime score of the Mexico-New Zealand game, and as we're speaking, it's still 1-0. I still think that Mexico are going to win this game. Um, but it's not looking too bad. But Stanislav Chichesov was very angry. He was mad. And then the players storming through the mixed zone as well. What was he mad about in particular, man? Did he mention I think he or? knows he got it wrong. 
Yeah, okay. I think he does actually genuinely know he got it wrong and he's very reflective in a way, uh, trying to quote is the best way. So obviously it was in Russian, but we have to revisit the way we played in this game and we have to make changes before the next match. So I think, you know, he, he understood that what was on the field, what was displayed in the field wasn't what he hoped he would see from this formation. But, I mean... But, I mean, that's, that in itself is a positive, though, surely. I mean, not, yeah. I, I, it, we would rather have won the game, obviously. But the fact he's aware of it... And, OK, I know a lot of people have criticised him for experimenting too much, but at least he's aware of it. And we still have a year... I know it's. I would much rather have sorted this out by now, but look, that's the whole point of these sort of games. It isn't the World Cup. It isn't a European Championship. No. It's not a qualifier. So, I mean, I mean, Manny, honestly, what's your feeling behind Chichasov now? How do you? How would you sum up his first year in charge up till now, mm. in the context of this game? Given that he's aware, but he has made mistakes. What's your real take on him? Uh, it's funny that you asked that because yeah, I did a periscope of the, after this game and people, it's, it's a cool tool because people send you in questions and ask you questions on your feelings and, you know, um, with the 20,000 followers you have on, on Football Grad, you get <laughs> a lot of questions, a lot of, opinions. a lot of opinions, mostly really interesting questions though and one of the questions was, is Stanislav Jachesov going to be the coach? At the World Cup, and I think yes, absolutely this. Because what's the alternative? Yeah. When you when you really think about it, the alternative doesn't exist yeah, for the squad. And he doesn't have a lot to work with, and he's basically retooling on the fly. Um, I think his formation is right. I think the way they're playing is right. I think he took this one a little bit to defensive, but it's fine. They were playing Portugal, and this result is not a shocker. You know, they were down 1-0. Second half was a lot better when Polos came on, Bukharov came on, mm-hmm. and they played more open. Of course, that also meant that Portugal were a lot better because all of a sudden, Russia opened up and Portugal was just sitting back, happily absorbing that pressure and trying to hit Russia on the counter. Magnificent save by Igor Akinfeyev. Oh, no, no, no fault from him on this game. His 100th cap for Russia as well. Yeah, congrats, Igor. You yeah. deserve it. Um, but no, I mean, man, I, I, I think you, make, you do make a good point there because... The, the fact is that at no point were Russia completely overrun by Portugal. And I know that's not their style. That is kind of the point of Fernando Santos, isn't it? You know, he's, he, he, he does what he needs to do. He's, I'm not saying he's the same style as Mourinho, but he has at least elements of that philosophy that, you know, I know how I'm going to get my goal, and once I've got it, I'm, that's enough. But I'd still say there are definitely positives to be taken. And the question about Chichesov... I, I don't know why I find myself defending Chichesov. I'm I'm happy with him as the coach. Yes, in an ideal world he would have you know he would have had a more ideal first first choice lineup. But don't forget the players who he's missing. Don't forget that and Zagoyev is out. Um, Zobnin, you know I mean Zobnin yeah. is yeah. a big big miss. What a season he's had. Um, and of course you know his injuries are such a yeah. shame for him personally because. There was talk, I believe, Schalke were interested yeah. in him, um, and and possibly some Serie A clubs too. And you know, Pavel Mamayev, if he hadn't been, you know, I guess last summer after the Euros, that attitude issue that came up when he celebrated champagne of <laughs> half a million dollars of champagne, perhaps that was something Chichesov didn't like. We know what he's like with um, difficult characters with 
Igor Denisov yeah, uh, well, for example but Chachasov um, actually has spoken on that Uh -huh. He has actually spoken on that. I read him, you know, he, is, he used to live and work in Germany, Dynamo Dresden, his club. So he gave a very interesting interview with the Süddeutsche Zeitung back in Munich. And he said the squad it will be completely built in a way that the characters in the room will be fitting together. So that already eliminates Mamaev and Denisov. And, oh, and Kokorin. Remember, Kokorin is not in the squad either. Well, I mean, he is another player who, whatever anybody says about him, and again, I find myself defending him, he has quality, is his mental attitude that whether he gets it right or wrong half the time, well, that's, that's up for debate, I guess. But I, I still maintain that there are players out there who, okay, I respect the fact that he's made a choice based on character and he's sticking to it. You know, to get rid of the Beretzewskis and Ignashevich... Yeah, you have I to... Mean, I mean, it's it's a logical step, but but I still think it's a bold thing to do because if you look at the centre backs in the squad right now, none of them have ten caps. Yeah. And to get rid of all three of them at once, I'd say it's quite bold. I expect them to keep Vasily Beretsuski in the squad as the elder statesman to at least give some sort of a backup if the youngsters weren't playing well together. Bringing Beretsuski for a game, calm things down. I, I think that would have been understandable. So he's made some bold choices. He has finally settled on a formation that is clear is the best one for Russia. Perhaps he lacks a bit of boldness today, yeah. but he even then he showed awareness of it. Yeah. So I'd say it's, like you say, it was an expected result. I was being optimistic yeah. with 1-1. Um, the performance was not terrible. There were moments of genuine positivity. So I'm still at beat about it after that game, Manu. Yeah, it's... It's. Uh, I, I mean, I'm. I'm curious. We'll, we'll we'll find out as we continue with this part how the Mexico game ended, yes. and that's going to be, of course, a big one. But before we jump to that, what was you were in a bar? You were actually scouting this area for <laughs> bars, etc., and getting voices from people. And um, we do know Russians don't really watch football in bars, mostly because it's so cheap to watch it at home. But there were, you were saying to me after the game, there were actually people on the bar. And I mean, the, the, the atmosphere in the stadium was magnificent. It's sold out. Yeah. Hooray! First game of the tournament. And genuinely sold out as well. Genuinely Not just sold out. Official figures. Oh, no, it's sold out. <laughs> and it was the. I thought the fan atmosphere was positive. Even when Russia mm. were down, you heard the Russia. Yeah. Russia yeah. towards the end of the Nuzhen goal. Nuzhen goal. Obvious. Much as it does my head in that chant. We need a goal. We need no, a goal. No. Well, obviously. Uh, yeah. Um, but anyway, not the most creative chant in the world, but <laughs> it was. It was, it was a true statement. It was, it was loud and it was very positive. It was not negative. Um. I think. Yeah. What was What was the mood like? Where were you at? Well, I mean. I, I went down I was I was in a street where there was quite a lot of bars a lot of people outside having having a few drinks and I got, you know, got there say about a quarter of an hour before the game now if you were watching a game in England near a pub everybody would have yeah. been getting their seats saved at least half an hour before kickoff and focused very much on the TV so when I walked in it wasn't overly busy but everybody was watching the game and it might sound like a little thing but you know as you and I know Manu as you mentioned the culture of watching games is very different and people they, they don't tend to really focus yeah. on it unless they're at the game itself if they are at the game then the atmosphere is excellent but everybody is focused on it and, and you know people were not being critical you know they were you know they were disappointed when Russia didn't score but they were they were really behind the, the efforts mm. they were making in the second half and 
you know, it all links into what we said in the first part of the pod that the efforts being made on a on a social level, the awareness yeah. of what this World Cup means, what it could mean, it all ties in for yeah. me. And okay, I <laughs> again, I'm trying my best to be optimistic, but <laughs> there are reasons to be optimistic. I do honestly believe that. Um, you know, the the overall attitude of the host country from the fans' relationship to the to the team for me is always a big a big deal with any tournament. You know, my, my father has watched football for 55, 60 years. And one thing he's always said is, I don't really care about the team themselves, but I always want the host country to do well. It makes yeah. the tournament more successful, energetic. And, okay, it's not blown people away, the Confederations Cup. But there's, there's an element of progression in the relationship between team and fans, mm. I believe. Um, I think so too. And the atmosphere will... And in the stadium. We'll need it. Then we'll need Russia to go far. So we'll eagerly await the result from the Mexico game. I guess um, that's really where we're gonna, you know, start our next section is after the Mexico game is concluded. Give you some some overall thoughts about the tournament as well. But I want to just find out where we are. We're at Dresky Dreskaya Boulevard in the really heart of Moscow, and behind us is actually the Tusk Building. Now, anyone who's knows a little bit about the history and politics of Russia. This is the Russian state press agency. Yes, they're probably just uh, <laughs> waiting for our podcast to be ready. It's, it's a pretty cool building. It's very Soviet era in a very beautiful part of the city. And there's pictures, like old Soviet pictures everywhere. And um, a neat atmosphere outside too. We're in, we're in the white night era of time of the, of the year in Russia. It must be after 10 still light out yeah <laughs> it's, it's uh you could just about have a kick about on the streets from yeah. the side yeah. it's, it's a beautiful evening and it's it's good to see people out and about you know again the, the mood of the, the city not everybody we're looking at right now in the street was necessarily watching the game but this is this is the sort of atmosphere I would want to I would want to come and, and experience for it the World Cup it makes or, me look forward to the World Cup because it's going to absolutely. be at this time of the year it's a bit cold today it's not normal for June, July. I was a little bit freezing, but usually it's hot, warm, sunny, people are outside. I was in St. Yeah. Petersburg before this game, and the sun there doesn't go down till uh, after midnight and comes back up at 3 a.m. in the morning. And I'm looking forward to uh, that. And Friday. it was 27 <laughs> degrees all day, and people, people were out basically partying all night. And that's the kind of atmosphere we're going to have because a lot of the games will take place here in Moscow and in St. Petersburg. And, I can only really urge everyone to, you know, head to this tournament next year because it's 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 going to be a, a really neat atmosphere. So yeah, we're back. Um, really cool place, actually, like a backyard kind of party area here in Moscow. You can hear the people in the background; they're all partying. Probably not the results, though, aren't they? <laughs> uh, we got the Mexico result. 2-1. Um, they just about had enough to beat the mighty New Zealand, Manu. Uh, yeah, but it was expected, wasn't it? That, I mean, we knew that Mexico are going to beat New Zealand. We knew that that means it's four points for Portugal, four points for Mexico, three points for Russia. Yeah. Um, no, ma- no, no calculating, no ma- mathematics needed here. Russia need to win against Mexico yeah simple as that really I mean the fact that Mexico had to come from behind to beat New Zealand that's a bit of a wake up call for them and I think unfortunately that means they're going to they're going to realise that Christ we can't take anything for granted um, in this tournament so 
I mean, I, I, I said at the beginning, I said New Zealand might surprise a few people. I think this is probably the game where they, they've surprised people, scoring first, mm. um, you know, making a, making a fight of it for Mexico. But yeah, got to win. And unfortunately, we've, if we're being truly honest, Manny, this is pretty much what we thought it would come down to. The Mexico yeah. game was always really going to be the game. If we had got anything from the Portugal game, it was a bonus. But it was gone pretty much how most people have expected, and the pressure's on. In a way, that's in a Kaza- neutral. In Kazan. In Kazan. So, you know, they might have slightly more trouble filling the stadium, perhaps. Mm. I don't know. It depends what ticket sales are like. I don't know. But yeah. um, bottom line is, pressure's on. And this is, I mean, today was a test against a quality opponent. This is a test against a quality situation. Have they got the strength <laughs> like of that. character? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a good. It's a good one. I mean, Mexico, from what we followed, did not convince in the first half. Tom Marshall even sat there in shambles. Yeah. Those who don't know Tom Marshall, uh, he is the prominent voice on Mexican football, working for ESPN. Wonderful person to follow. If you haven't followed him yet, follow him. Absolutely. He said Mexico were in shambles in the first half. Carlos Salcedo went off with an injury. Mm-hmm. That's bad news for them, I would say. So, the second half was an enormous improvement. They got their act together. They scored the two goals. Took till the 71st minute, though. Manny, when you have these sort of games, I still think people will say, well, that's the bare minimum that should have happened. And Mm. of course it is, in one sense. But no matter who you are, if you're 1-0 down at home to anybody, to come back is still an impressive achievement. And no matter how lowly the opposition are... Because you can't discount factors like New Zealand. For them, this is genuinely a step up that they're very rarely yeah. likely to have a anything quite like this. I'm, because they've been in the World Cup, yes, but they've got absolutely zero expectation in that. Whereas in this tournament, they can take it more seriously knowing that some of the other countries might not or might have more injury problems or might take, in Germany's example, a less experienced squad. Yeah. So it's... A test squad. A test squad, exactly. You know, and it's, um, it's a different test for New Zealand. It, for them, it's the occasion. The, the other teams, it's, well, how can the young players step up? So... For Mexico to come back, it does, however much of a shambles they were in the first half, it shows some character, at least. Mm. And you can't discount that. I this, think some of, yeah. that, some of that was travel. Um, this is something yeah. that worries me about the German team, because the Mexicans did the reverse of what Germany is doing now. They went from, so- from Kazan to Sochi, 2,200 kilometers of travel. Republic of Tatarstan to the Black Sea. To the Black Sea, mind you, New Zealand went from uh, from Krestovsky to <laughs> from Krestovsky to all the way to the Black Sea. But they had an extra day, and I think that that helps I mean, because we're talking distances, and the distances are enormous. You know, we're talking North American distances here on the western half and of Russia. And I think, you know, going down there is, is a bit of a shocker because it's a completely different environment, different different climate, etc. Absolutely. And having to deal with that was probably hard. So you can almost count that for the first 45 minutes. I thought it was really interesting what Fernando Santos said the other day in a press conference. It's a very short tournament. Very short. Two weeks, five games, yeah. ideally, right? And games are coming really fast and you have to change your lineups all the time in order to make it work we looked at Mexico's lineup and like what did, what, what did Osorio do here 
Yeah, Remember I mean, we looked at that and we d- it didn't really... But you have to. Because well, it, it, I mean, I expected changes, but I, I wasn't expecting quite as many, if, yeah. I'm, if, if I'm being perfectly honest. No, you're absolutely right, mate. It's, it is a very unique tournament. Two, only two weeks long. Yeah. Two weeks long. Five matches in two weeks is... Well, for English championship clubs, that's what they do week in, week out, but they're not international teams. And they have bigger squads. This is an intense tournament however seriously you take it just because it is a 90 minutes and what most people wouldn't have probably imagined in the stereotypical view of Russia is quite how hot it is yeah. I mean today it's been cold in the that in makes the, it hard too though the cold today's cold was the, hard the, the evening it drops and that is tough but, yeah. but before the game before the yeah. game Manu I mean I, I you could have been t-shirt and shorts and you'd still be quite hot it I'm was, glad I didn't but yeah I mean it, 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 overall it's better to be on the safe side right but you make the point the the fact that the heat is much more than people expect and the change is yeah. the, I would argue the most extreme change that happens anywhere in the world I mean, I, I, I live in Siberia. Right now, it's 30 degrees plus, mm. and it can change from 35 degrees to minus 5 the next day. It is absolutely mental, and this is what the teams have to deal with. Perhaps not quite... That's an extreme it's picture I'm like painting. It's South Africa, isn't it? Like, South Africa oh. was similar in a certain way. It's... Um, these are challenges you can't discount. Yeah. And you mentioned the distances, the climate. Okay, yes, it is. Both teams have got to cope with it, but, you know, I... I don't know. I mean, look, in a short tournament like this, like Fernando Santos was referring mm. to, the slightest moment, just some little things can just set you off in the wrong note. One slight mischallenge in the first five minutes might then become two mischallenges. Suddenly their winger thinks, right, I've got the beating of this guy, and is suddenly on the back foot. And before you know it, a team who was fighting for their lives, like New Zealand, their backs against the wall in the, in the sense of what their expectations are, and suddenly they get a whiff of right we can we can do something here yeah. and then they score i mean that is tough that is tough so oh mexico mexico russia then manu this is this is what it comes down to for the hosts do you expect chichesov to change his plans for the final game from today's i think he should go back to how he played against new zealand 352 yeah. two normal strikers it's hard because you know the, the way Mexico are playing, I characterized it a little bit before, and I said like, it's four-three-three. It wasn't four-three-three against New Zealand, which was weird. But you know, you made a good point with Osorio. We talked about it in the Metro on the way here. Osorio never uses the same lineup twice. Yeah. And but he does seem to like that four-three-three, and he likes to play uh, against Portugal. I actually really liked it because he played Jimenez, Chicharito, and Vela. Yeah. And you didn't actually know who was playing where. Yeah, up front. That, that was actually a very. Right. Yeah. And I, I can see him do that, something similar. You know, you, you still have Giovanni dos Santos on the bench. You have Jurgen Damm. And yeah. that is actually someone who I would worry about. Hey, look, there's some Mexican fans right there. And that's someone, something I would worry about. Um, worry about quite a bit, actually. Because if Jurgen Damm comes on, and I've seen the way Russia defended themselves against Cristiano Ronaldo Jürgen Damm is fast he's the fastest player on the planet he's clocked at 38 kilometers an hour I can't right. even bike that fast sometimes <laughs> that, uh, that is, is going to be a problem that's yeah, going to yeah. be a massive problem Absolutely. and he will bring him on and then you have Hirving Lozano who of course he didn't feature in this one because he completed a transfer to PSV Eindhoven mm-hmm. um, most so, expensive Mexican in, in history I believe is he now I, I was told it was around 25 million euros oh, or wow. 25 million dollars um, 
that's 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 significant because it, you know it could, we just spoke about that on Galazzo part they received an offer from Chivas mm. I believe for 20 and now we know why they turned that down yeah well I mean I, uh, for him personally I think a move to PSV we've spoken about yeah. this before Manny the, the route that Mexicans take to Europe I think it matters yeah. and I think PSV is a great place to go um is it and Andres Guardado has played there or plays there now? I think, yeah. I and um, Hector Moreno just went from there to AS Roma. Well, I mean, there you go. I mean, yeah. they, I'm sure, will have been an influence in yeah. that. He would have spoken to them, I'm certain. Um, Bryce Dunn will be applauding right now because he's like, he said that I, Netherlands would be the perfect place for him to go. <laughs> well, Bryce, Bryce, congratulations. I agree with you on that one. I know, I mean, I'm absolutely serious. It's, um, it's a perfect stepping stone because PSV will be basically guaranteed European football yeah. every year yeah. and it will put him in the shop window to a bigger stepping stone if he has that ambition but if he doesn't he's going to be at least near the top of the Dutch league which okay might not be top three or four leagues but still it's it's a very high quality so standard so we can expect to see him yeah, I would and, say and if he comes on in the game against Russia he's going to have that because that, he hasn't played yet against him. you know he's, he's a bit of a risk yeah. but the boost of confidence yeah. he's I've now got that move to Europe and yeah, and I want to show that I, I can play there yeah so uh, on a different note um, you know we're getting towards the end of this really interesting day yeah really really cool podcast too uh, I was saying to you on my way uh, here <laughs> we're halfway through this tournament in terms for football grad because we we're going to do six matches with three in the box um, the other matches, of course, we're covering through various other means, but we're in the stadium, we did six matches that we can cover. Um, surprises, disappointments, what stood out for you so far, Andrew? Oh, so far, I would say, okay, this, I'll speak from a Russian point of view um, first, and then generally. From a Russian point of view, disappointment was the approach that Chichesov took today. And I'm disappointed for two reasons. One, because simply it wasn't the right choice to be so defensive. But secondly, because I am still a believer in him and I'm worried that this is just going to add to this slightly growing negative sentiment towards him. A lot of people are not happy with how much he's experimenting. And I think there is an element of that, but it shouldn't be weighed on too heavily. So that's my disappointment. Um, my positive... that oh, I could only be one moment. The Fyodor Smolov wonder goal um, against New Zealand um, his display today I would say almost merited a wonder goal itself he was very tenacious and given that like we mentioned before he didn't have that support from a second striker alongside him I thought he played very well but that wonder goal against New Zealand it was just um, the confidence to, to carry it that far was um, uh, was was great and he laid it off got it back and yeah. it was only a tap in but good but for me it was the build up it was the build up and yeah. I say wonder goal seriously I mean that because mm. of how he started it and how he timed his run into the box and those tappings when you focus only on the finish you think well okay what's so great about it he started the move and he finished it yeah. he was he drove that that move forward so. I actually thought that the, I know they gave it to Boxwell as an own goal but Glushikov's goal was fantastic too oh absolutely I mean Glushikov's goal com- combination of finesse and but but also awareness to go go in because if you if you watch that goal the way he lifts it over the keeper he is at that point the furthest player forward the, the two defenders closing in and behind him but he still chased it in yeah. He had the awareness and the bravery and the finesse. So in a weird way, it had a bit of everything yeah. in it, that goal, didn't it? 
Um, so that's for me from a Russian point of view. From a tournament point of view, the negative side has got to be the confusion over the VAR, <laughs> which we've discussed already. Um, and again, it's not just a straightforward, I hate VAR. But no, we actually like it, I would say. We, we do. And yeah. the principle of it, I think not many people would disagree with the principle. But it's the fact that a well-intentioned idea is going to get negative press and the court of public opinion is now going to say VAR should be scrapped. And I think it's like, guys, come on, this is a test event. It's the first real major high-level test and it's it needs to be improved, yes, um, but I'm just worried that that's going to be put in a negative light now. That's, that's my negative from the tournament. Player that stood out to you the most? I'm going to pick a slightly odd one here, um, but Ryan Thomas, New Zealand. I had never heard of him before, I will fully admit that. Mm. Young midfielder, mm. um, against Russia, he was pretty much the most confident player on the pitch, I would argue. He, he got forward, he wasn't afraid to shoot from distance, yeah. and he forced a brilliant save from Akinfeyev, the one yeah. with his right foot where he bent it round a defender. Akinfeyev was, you know, he couldn't have seen it till late, but the, the control, the technique, um, he looks like one for the future, and I, that's what I love about Twitter. He's a swallow. It's all in, uh, in Holland, right? Yeah. He's been playing there for, what, three seasons now, yeah. I think it is. And that's what I love about these tournaments. When a player, for you personally, comes out of the darkness and you've never seen him or heard of him before, yeah. and he impresses you like that. So, for me, yeah, Ryan Thomas in New Zealand. Yeah, it, you know, for me it was Leon Goretzka in the Germany game. Mm. I thought he was excellent. He was really good. Uh, that's... That's been a player that I've been watching for some time now this season and you know we all know he's going to Bayern maybe this summer or the latest next summer when he's a free agent but he has been magnificent he looks a lot like Michael Ballack when you watch him play <laughs> which is not I mean that is a compliment oh, he's absolutely. a very good player so that's the player that stood out for me the most I would agree with you on VAR as well that needs to be massively improved and it's something that's going to haunt us no case today yay <laughs> which is for you know when you write the live blog for footballguard.com it's such a relief because <laughs> it makes it very difficult to do live treating and live writing but uh, no VAR today but the communication needs to improve a Absolutely. lot yeah. and I think that's something that, that needs to happen um, so that's going to be something that I would like to see better The biggest disappointment for me is the attendance. That has been... Today was great. Sochi, Germany, Australia was horrendous. That was poor. Mexico, Portugal. Um, I get the Germany-Australia game somewhat. Germany is very unknown to... You know, there's no Özil, there's no Boateng, there's no Thomas Müller, there's no Neuer. I get that. That, that will... And Australia is Australia, no disrespect. But, you know, that's not going to win the hearts and minds of people in Sochi. But the, 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 the game in Kazan between Portugal and Mexico, I know it's Portugal against Mexico. That should, that should attract at least a few people. So that's, that's, that's yeah. a big disappointment for me. I think today was great. The atmosphere was great. But that was all, Today's was always likely to be yeah. the, the fullest attendance, let's be honest. Yeah. Host nation against... Well, arguably the best player in the But world. But even Chile against Cameroon was a, was a great game. That wasn't completely sold out. And then, you know what? I don't blame the people here for not going. It's The tickets are expensive. Oh, it's, it's crazy, Manu. It's absolutely crazy. For the World Cup alone, yeah. I would argue those ticket prices are, are very high. The, the World Cup in Brazil, um, 
I don't know all the prices, but I know the vast majority available to locals were no more than about ten, fifteen dollars. Yeah. And here, you know, we're looking at Confederations Cup, a big, big difference to the World Cup itself. Yeah. And there is a smaller number of tickets that are available, the cheapest price is nine hundred and fifty rubles, which is roughly equivalent to fifteen pounds. It doesn't talking, sound like a lot, but it is for people here. Well, it, it is. You've got to bear in mind that the the working minimum working wage in Russia is one hundred and twenty pounds a month. That yeah. is it. That is it for everything, for your bills, for food, for everything. It's not actually realistic. You do need more than that for how, especially in the city, especially in Moscow, certainly, yeah. but. Yeah, the point is that they're just not thinking it through. Then this is not a money-making exercise. I said this to you, Manu. And we are. The one, the one thing they need is fill the stadiums, make a good impression. You're going to make your money from ticket sales. Yeah, merchandise Russia next doesn't year. care about making the money either. Well, you know what? If we look yeah, around at all the construction that is happening, this is not a money-making exercise for Russia. Period. Well, um, it is for some people, <laughs> perhaps. But um, no, I mean, point, point taken. It's and and that that's what makes the ticket prices just bizarre because yeah. this is easy good PR for them it's a short tournament dead easy you make the ticket prices maximum a thousand rubles across the board for locals and you will fill the stadiums and everybody will think oh wow the atmosphere in Russia is good I want to yeah. go and see this place so it's a missed opportunity I agree with you on that one that is a so quick one to wrap it up and this is one for both of us who's going to win the tournament after seeing all these games Oh, Russia, of course. <laughs> no, okay, seriously, from what I've seen so far, I think, I'm going to say this grudgingly, but I think Portugal, they they have enough know-how to close out games. And today was an example. Mm. Russia are not the strongest opponent they will face in the tournament, but they put Portugal under intense pressure for large periods of the second half. But for some strange reason, you never quite felt like Russia were going to score, even though yeah. they were dominating. And for that reason, and the fact they have an experienced squad, I think uh, Portugal edge it for me at the moment. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that, because everyone who wins the Confederation Cup doesn't win the World Cup the next year, so <laughs> Portugal can have this one. Um, I don't think Germany necessarily care enough to win this trophy. Possibly not. They will probably be thereabouts. I wouldn't be surprised if they win it. It wouldn't be a massive shocker, but I don't think they care enough to actually win it, so... Portugal is a good shot. Chile, Chile looked good. The thing is, I think yeah. it will heavily depend on Alexis Sanchez's fitness going forward. <coughs> because I, without him, they're very ordinary. I, I, I agree with you on that one, And Manny. you know the one thing that, that Chile has now played three tournaments in a row? Yeah. They, they, look, they, they look tired. And I think they not only look tired, I think they're beyond the, the, the pinnacle. You know, well, when you look at the, the guys that are brought in for Alexis Sanchez, it's, it's Puch who plays in Nicaja in Mexico. He's a good player, but they don't have the depth of, of the other teams in this tournament. No, I mean, even if they do, they don't have the experience in depth because yeah. it's their golden generation. It's been, what a generation for Chilean football. I mean, no Copa America wins in, I think it's 35 attempts it was. Yeah. And then they've won the last two. But like you say, they every summer they're busy, and they look um, exhausted against Cameroon. I mean, Alexis Sanchez, you're right. Is they, it's not just Alexis Sanchez that team, but I mean, it's it's like saying, well, are Portugal better if Cristiano Ronaldo plays? Of course they are. Yeah. Um, and Sanchez doesn't, for me, look a hundred percent focused on the tournament, and I don't blame him. He's played an, an exhausting English season, um, no winter break in England, and I don't know how much of an influence that has by this stage, but it certainly is some, I think. Um, yeah, so I would say Portugal. I would rather see Chile, an invigorated Chile, mm. win it, but I think Portugal for me. All right, I'll wrap it up there. I think we can 
expect tons more work coming from footballgrad.com footballgrad live is where you can find us Andrew anything else you want to plug real quick <laughs> well I mean just very briefly I guess um, we mentioned Herving Lozano I did a an in-depth look at Mexican youth football for these football times um, and it ties in with a print magazine we're bringing out um, all on Mexican football which is on sale now actually so head to thesefootballtimes.co for that um, that's, that's what I'm proud of but yeah more Confederations Cup coverage This is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Do you love watching live TV but are tired of your huge cable bill? Sling TV has the same top cable channels for as little as half the price, so you can save hundreds of dollars while still watching your favorite sports, news, reality TV, and more. Ditch cable and get Sling's total live streaming solution with free local channels. Setup and installation are included. Make the smart choice and switch to Sling TV. Get the best of cable for the best price. Learn more at sling.com slash cut cable. That's sling.com slash cut cable. Set up an installation included with $49 down and $20 a month for 12 months. Restrictions apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.